so much. Turn in your hymn book, number 100. We're going to stand up and sing, Angels We Have Heard on High. It looks like Christmas. Sounds like Christmas. And uh, you all look very Christmassy today. So uh, what a wonderful time of the year it is. 100, we'll stand up, sing out all four verses. Angels We Have Heard on High. Hymn number 100. Just like you know it, ready? 
honest, you might find the uh, title for this new sermon series to be a little bit odd. Don't miss Christmas. How in the world could somebody miss Christmas, especially in the United States? I mean, we start being reminded about Christmas around Halloween time, and it just ramps up from there, doesn't it? There's Black Friday and there's Cyber Monday, and there's more sales than a person could attend in a lifetime. Uh, There's decorations everywhere. There's Christmas music on lots of uh, radio stations. And then there's the Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, There's Frosty the Snowman. Uh, There's Charlie Brown. And, of course, there's the Grinch who stole Christmas. But sad to say, I'm afraid he's not the only one uh, who is guilty of stealing Christmas. No, if we're not careful, we can actually steal it from ourselves. We can go through all the motions and all the commotion that goes along with it and still miss Christmas. How? Well, we can forget what the people of Whoville remembered. You know, he tried to steal Christmas and yet he couldn't do it. And uh, and the Grinch with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? And, of course, we know that it means more than just a little bit more. We know that it means a lot more. We know the real reason why we celebrate it this time of the year. We know this is not all about gifts and feasts. It's about God with us, Emmanuel, the incarnation, God in human flesh. But if we're not careful, we'll miss Christmas. Millions of people will this year. They'll miss Christmas. Now, they'll celebrate a lot of stuff. But they'll miss the point entirely. And you know what? They won't be the first ones in the history of our world to miss Christmas. In fact, if we travel back in time to the pages of Scripture, to the very first Christmas celebration, we find that there were people who missed it entirely. And during our time together, beginning today and then over the next couple of weeks, we want to study these people and learn some lessons from them. These people in the Bible who missed Christmas. So to get started, turn in your Bible, please, to where we find the Christmas story, the Gospel of Luke, chapter two, the Gospel of Luke, chapter two. And we'll read together uh, verses one through seven. You can follow along in your copy of God's word. When we get to verse seven, I'll have us read it aloud uh, off the screen together. But Luke. Luke chapter 2, and we're thinking about uh, not missing Christmas this year. Luke chapter 2, and we'll begin reading there at verse number 1. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can follow along there. It's on the screen in front of you. And when we get to verse 7, I'll pause and I'll ask us to read it together, okay? Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now, you see, verse seven, let's read that one together out loud. And she brought forth her firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, that verse is so beautiful. Verse seven, it's beautiful in so many ways. But did you realize there's also an element of it that's very tragic and very sad? Now, remember, God wastes no words in his word. And remember the event that we're studying and thinking about the birth of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was prophesied and planned out by God himself. David Jeremiah said that God had been lovingly planning it since before creation. And he did not overlook any detail. You know, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And so we've been planning this long before creation. So why do we read the last part of that verse the way that we do? I mean, the first part, we love that part. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and, and laid him in a manger. And we're like, yes, that's that's awesome. And we got that down. But it doesn't stop there. If it had a period there, it would make more sense. But then it goes on to add these words. And these are the words that are very tragic and sad in a sense. But we're going to find out today uh, why they're there, I think. But um, why does it go on to say, because there was no room for them in the end? I mean, a manger, first of all, that part's a little bit sad because a manger is an animal's food trough. Uh, Really, when you think about laying a newborn baby in something, you might think of a bassinet or a crib or or something, at least something sanitary, but an animal's food trough. And then notice they laid the baby in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the end. So the question is, did God overlook to make reservations for the birth of the Messiah, the birth of his son? I mean, think about it. He chose the town. He chose the town. He chose the couple. He chose the virgin. He chose the time in history. But what about a properly appointed place as far as a room is concerned? Did he overlook that? No, beloved. He didn't overlook that. In fact, he chose it. It's a reminder, beloved, of humility. The Lord Jesus Christ chose uh, in coming to be born. Someone noted that a homeless birth was part and partial of a homeless Life. You know, the scripture says he didn't have a place really to call his own. Think about the one who owned everything decided to borrow an animal shelter to be born in. You ever think about how many things the Lord Jesus borrowed? Some unknown author said it this way. They borrowed a bed to lay his head when Christ the Lord came down. They borrowed the ass in the mountain pass for him to ride to town. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. He borrowed the bread when the crowd he fed on the grassy mountainside. He borrowed the dish of broken fish with which he was satisfied. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. He borrowed the ship in which to sit to teach the multitude. He borrowed a nest in which to rest. He had never a home so rude. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. He borrowed a room on his way to the tomb, the Passover lamb to eat. They borrowed a cave for him, a grave. They borrowed a winding sheet. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. Do you see the humility? He left the splendor and glories of heaven and he chose to come in this humble fashion. And there was no room for him in the end. And by the way, beloved, here we are on the first Sunday of December. 
And we think about the coming of Christ. And I can't help but think about his second coming. But I wonder, do you know him personally as your Lord and Savior? I hope you get a lot of awesome gifts this year. I hope you get what you asked for. But listen, the greatest gift you can ever receive is the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, well, how do I get that, preacher? You turn from your sin. And you trust Jesus Christ alone. And I would encourage you, if you've never done that, right now, right where you are, say, Lord Jesus, I don't want my sin anymore. I want you as my Lord and my Savior. Well, we come back to verse 7. And it says there was no room for them in the end. Now, God thought it was important enough to include that in the sacred word of God. There was no room for them in the end. So the first person who missed Christmas was the innkeeper. The innkeeper missed Christmas. Now, to be honest, we don't know what kind of inn Bethlehem had. Uh, The Greek word translated inn in our English Bibles, uh, it literally means a lodging place. It can mean a guest room. It can mean an inn. It can mean a room. Uh, The Bible pastor and author and scholar John MacArthur said the inn Could have been anything from a full-fledged precursor of the modern bed and breakfast lodge. Or it could have been a lean-to on someone's property that was built to house both animals and people. Uh, The sense of inn here is a a place, a a locally recognized place where people stayed overnight while on a journey. We don't know exactly what kind of inn Bethlehem had. But of course, Mary and Joseph, they didn't stay at the inn. Why? The Bible says there was no room. In the end, Um, though, it's not mentioned in the Bible. No, he is not mentioned in the Bible. Obviously, if we have an inn, whatever kind of inn it was, we have an innkeeper and the innkeeper missed Christmas. Now, listen, the innkeeper is a popular character in the Christmas story. You ever realize that? You ever think about it? When it comes to the Christmas story, especially for lazy and shy children, the innkeeper is a popular part. Why? Well, you've got to have a speaking part. Maybe you've got a small group of kids and everybody has to or almost everybody has to have a speaking part. And you're either lazy or shy. I want to be the innkeeper. Why? Because you only have one line. Right. Open the door. Can you remember that? Yes. We need a room. My wife is great with child. Sorry, no room. Slam the door. <laughs> or if you want to modernize it. Yes, my wife is great, but child need a room. No vacancies. Slam the door. Uh, it's just easy, right? He's a popular character. But imagine what that man missed that evening. He had standing before him the Virgin Mary carrying the long awaited Messiah and he turned them away. Now, he could have hosted the very first Christmas. He could have hosted the miraculous birth. Uh, he could have seen the shepherds come in just a little bit and, 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 and seen them come and tell of this amazing thing that had happened out while they were keeping watch over their flocks by night and the angels coming and they followed and found uh, the babe there. But he didn't. Now, maybe he felt bad in turning them away. Maybe not. We don't know who he was. We don't know his name, but we do know that he missed out big time. He missed Christmas. And here's the question. Why did the innkeeper miss Christmas? Well, we just want to boil it down. He missed Christmas because he was busy. Because he was busy with all the people flooding into town to be registered for the census. The place filled up quickly. 
and with people to house and I assume maybe help to feed them as well. He didn't have room in his life. He didn't have room in his inn for a couple who were expecting a child. And so he turned them away. Sorry, no room in the inn. And sad to say, millions of people will follow in his footsteps this year and they do it every year. They're so busy that they miss Christmas. Now, I know they celebrate the holiday. They do all sorts of things, but they miss the point. Why? Because they're busy. I mean, with parties for hosting and marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow and scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmas is long, long ago. I never understood that line. But anyway, it's the most exhausting time of the year. I I did change the last part there to reflect a lot of people's lives. It's the most exhausting time of the year. But listen, it's one thing for those who do not follow Jesus Christ and do not know Jesus Christ to miss Christmas, as sad as that is. But it's something entirely different for those of us who do know the Lord Jesus Christ to miss out on Christmas. It's been well said, and I don't know who originally said it, but um, it's been said that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And you can get so busy celebrating Christmas that you miss Christmas. You miss the point entirely. Amy Grant has a song out I just love. Maybe you've heard it. If not, go look it up this week. Here's how the words go. I've made the same mistake before. Too many malls, too many stores. December traffic, Christmas rush. It breaks me till I push and shove. Children are crying while mothers are trying to photograph Santa and sleigh. The shopping and buying and standing forever in line. What can I say? I need a silent night, a holy night to hear an angel voice through the chaos and the noise. I need a midnight clear, a little peace right here to end this crazy day with a silent night. December comes, then disappears faster and faster every year. Did my own mother keep this pace or was the world a different place? Where people stayed home, wishing for snow, watching three channels on their TV. Look at us now, rushing around, trying to buy Christmas peace. I need a silent night, a holy night, to hear an angel voice to the chaos and the noise. I need a midnight clear, a little peace right here to end this crazy day with a silent night. Beloved, I want to encourage us all. I want to encourage you, don't let the busyness of this Christmas season make you miss Christmas. Make room in your life. Make room in your schedule. Make room in your family. Make room for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I got to thinking about it. At Christmas time, we make a lot of lists. Uh, Let me just guess some of the lists you might have right now going on in your own personal life. You've probably made a shopping list. And on the shopping list, you've listed out the people that you need to buy for and the gifts. And maybe you put a budget out by, to the side. Maybe you've got a guest list because you're going to be hosting a Christmas party. And so you're writing out a guest list. And, oh, by the way, you're having a guest 
list with a party, then you need another shopping list that has all the ingredients for all the things you need to make for the party for all the guests that are coming. And then, oh, don't forget your Christmas card list. And so you've got a list of names of folks that you're going to be writing Christmas greetings to. And then you get a Christmas greeting and their name wasn't on your list. And so now out of obligation, you feel, oh, well, I've got to send one back to them because they sent one to me. And, and it goes on and on and on. Well, today I want to give you another list to add to your list you already have. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to take the list that I'm going to give you. And I want to encourage you to write it down. If you're already taking notes, great. If not, grab a care card out of the pew rack in front of you. Grab a pencil. I want you to write a quick list up. And when you're done with this list, I want you to take this list I'm going to give you today. And I want you to put it on top of the other list. And I want you to keep it with the other list. And I want you to use it as you use the other list. And if you want to call this list something, you can call it this. My don't miss Christmas list. My don't miss Christmas list. You probably never made one of these before. But today I want you to make one quickly. And I'm going to give you simply five things to write on the list. I'll give you scripture to go with them. You can jot the reference down. I'll show the scripture to you. We'll move through this as quickly as possible. But I want you to jot these down and put it with your other list. My don't miss Christmas list. If you're ready to write, the first thing I want you to write on your my don't miss Christmas list is this. Are you ready to write? Slow down. Slow down. The pace of the Christmas season get out of control very quickly. We rush from one thing to the next, trying to get everything done. And we, if we're not careful, we live stressed out. And to be honest with you, some people are even glad when it's all over. They're glad when December 26th comes. They're like, made it through another year. In other words, rather than enjoying Christmas, you know what they're doing? They're enduring Christmas. And what a sad way to live. I couldn't help but think about the story of Mary and Martha. Now, I know it wasn't a Christmas story and it wasn't necessarily Christmas time, but the story fits. And let me ask you to turn to this one with me. You're in Luke 2, I think, right? Turn over to Luke 10 real quickly. Luke chapter 10. We find a story of where Jesus has come to the home of, of Mary and Martha and, uh, you know, their brother Lazarus. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we'll pick up the story there. And boy, I know it's not a Christmas story, but it sure does look like a Christmas story. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, look at verse 40 of Luke 10. But Martha was distracted with what? Much serving. And she approached him, that is Jesus, and said, Lord, do, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. She had reached that point. Ladies, you ever been there? You're hosting a party? Maybe your husband's watching the ball game or whatever. You're getting ready for a party and you reach that point. <coughs> Tell her to help me. She says this to the Lord Jesus, whom she's obviously serving here. Look at verse 41. Here's the surprising part of the story. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. 
I wonder what Martha did at that point. You know, because we're not told. You ever think about what did Martha do at that point? Slow down. You're worried and rustling about many things, but one thing is needed. As you go through your Christmas season, first of all, slow down. And in order to slow down, there's a second thing either on your list. And it's simply this. Simplify. Simplify. Slow down and simplify. Now, listen, you can't do everything. You can't attend every party. You can't send everybody a Christmas card. You can't shop every deal. You can't cook every wonderful Christmas recipe. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to prioritize and you're going to have to simplify. In other words, you're going to have to let some things go and cut some things out. Listen to Hebrews 12.1. This is in the New Living Translation. Hebrews 12.1. Drop that reference down if you'd like. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. In other words, Hebrews 12 says, listen, we're running this Christian race. You've got to make some choices, some things that weigh you down. Maybe they're good things. They're not necessarily bad things. But you have to take those things off, just like a runner would in running a race. You don't run a race, you know, with uh, weights on and with um, a big heavy winter coat. You strip those things off so you can more easily run the race. And so it is in our lives. We have to prioritize and simplify and get rid of some things. You have to make choices. Nobody has unlimited time, resources or money. Nobody does. And God calls us to simplify our lives. You say, where, where do you see that? Well, I think Matthew 6.33 is one of the most simplifying verses in, in, in the Bible. And it says this, Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Talk about simplifying your life. They say, listen, I'm seeking God first. He's first in everything. So if you're going to slow down, you've got to simplify. And if you're going to simplify, you need number three on the list. Are you ready for it? And listen, this might be the hardest one of all, especially for some of us. You're going to have to say no more often. Say no more often. If we always say yes, we will always be overextended, overwhelmed and stressed out. If we always say yes, uh, jot this reference down. James five twelve. James five twelve says this. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Listen, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall in a judgment. Now, I know that's talking about swearing and talking about yes and no. But really, if you're having trouble, let me just tell you, saying no is biblical. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I love what one author said. Uh, she said, make a decision to please God above everything else. Well, that would be Matthew 6.33, wouldn't it? Put his will before your own and before the will of other people. If you truly feel in your heart God wants you to say yes, then say it and stick to it. But if you feel he's directing you to say no, then say no and stick to that as well. Now, listen, if you struggle with saying no, because some of us, we have a hard time saying no. Some of us are maybe people pleasers. We like to, to please people. We like for them to be happy with us. And so we say yes to everything. 
If you have a hard time saying no, let me give you a little help with this. Uh, this isn't something I'm going to pull out of the Bible. This is some personal experience, something I've learned in my life. It's this. Don't say yes right away. If you're tempted to say yes, take a moment and say, let me get back with you. Now, listen, you need to get back with them. But take some time to consult your calendar. Take some time to consult the Lord. Pray about something. Maybe you need to take some time and consult your spouse or your family or whatever. Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something or someone else. And so sometimes we would just slow down. And somebody makes a request of us and we just take a moment and say, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. Let me check. Let me get back with you. And then do that. Be a person of your word. But I want to encourage you to say no more often. Now, notice I didn't preach this during nominating time at church. I preach it at Christmas time. But say no. In all honesty, say no more. You can't do everything. You can't say yes to everything. We got three down, two to go. We're trying to make sure we don't miss Christmas. So we're going to slow down. We're going to simplify. We're going to say no more often. Now, number four, and uh, it's this one. Stay satisfied. I had to say it that way because of all the S's. But it's another way of saying what? Be content. Stay satisfied. Jot down this reference, Hebrews 13, 5. I apologize. I'm not putting those up. I want you to keep the list there. But just jot this reference down. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Stay satisfied. Be content. This is so important in life, but especially during the commercialism of Christmas. There's so much cool stuff out there. Do you all know that? There's so much cool stuff. Stuff you don't have, stuff you surely need, and stuff that they'll tell you will make your life happier and more satisfied, or so they say. But listen, our satisfaction doesn't come from stuff. Our satisfaction comes from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's why he put that verse together the way he did. Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Then he goes on to say this, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Satisfaction is not found in that stuff. Satisfaction is found in me. Now, listen, it's certainly not wrong to give gifts. It's not wrong to accept gifts. It's not wrong to buy gifts. But that is not all that Christmas is about. And if we're not careful, it can become all about that. As we're trying to get gifts, we can give, give or whatever. Count your blessings during this season. Be content. Stay satisfied. When the ads come and they come in droves, don't they? Whether you get the Charlotte Observer, the, the newspaper, the magazines, the television, the radio, every week. When the ads come, if you're a child of God, when the ad comes on, when you see, you know what you can say? I've got Jesus. I don't need that. Hey, man, I've got Jesus. I, this, you need this new car because it'll make your happy. I've got Jesus. I don't need that. You need this jewel. I, I don't need that. I've got Jesus. Stay satisfied. One more left. Slow down. Simplify. Say no more often. Stay satisfied. Now save the best for last. Sit at Jesus' feet. This takes us back to Mary and Martha again. Luke chapter 10. Now, Martha is frustrated. Lord, don't you care? I'm doing all this myself. Tell her to get up off her bum and come help me. Martha, Martha, thou art troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good thing. What was Mary doing? The verse tells us before what? She was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was listening to Jesus. 
also a picture there of worship, a picture of, of honor, sitting at his feet listening. This is the sure way to not miss Christmas, to spend much time at Jesus' feet, to unclutter the holiday craziness that goes on and take time and leave much room and much time to sit at Jesus' feet, to meditate on his coming, to think about him, to talk to him, to sing these glorious Christmas. I love Christmas music. I love to play it during the month of December. I love to sing it, to, to think about and sing these glorious Christmas songs to him, to gather with his people and worship him as we're doing this morning, as we're doing the Sundays to come next Sunday night, Christmas Eve, these different times. And then especially to share him with those who need him, to find those folks that are missing Christmas. They don't know what it's really about. And to share with them why we celebrate. It's all because of him. Well, you've made your list, I hope. Now, check it twice. My don't miss Christmas list. Here's what you wrote down. Slow down. Simplify. Say no more often. Stay satisfied. Sit at Jesus' feet. Now, if you've got that written down, I want you to take that list home. Put it with your other list. Put it with your calendar. Put it with all that stack of stuff you've got. And if you'll follow what you wrote down this morning, I've given you scripture. To go with it. If you'll follow what you've written down, you might just find the other lists that you've got stacked up. They might begin to get a little less crazy. They might begin to simplify. You might begin to feel the life move back into your body and back into your Christmas. And you might just find that silent night, that holy night that you so desperately need. Beloved, let me encourage you. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss Christ. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you that you speak to our lives in the areas in which we struggle. And Father, I pray that during this Christmas season, you would help us to truly focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in all of our celebrating, may we keep our focus upon the one whom we celebrate. Now, Father, I pray if anybody's here today and they don't have Christ as their own Lord and Savior, I pray that during this invitation time they would come and allow me or someone else to share Christ, to share the gospel, that they might have eternal life. And then, Father, I pray for believers. Maybe you've spoken to hearts today. Maybe you would move them to come and to bow at this altar and take just a moment to speak to you. We love you and praise you and we thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation, I hope, is clear. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you need Jesus Christ, your Savior. I'll be standing down at the front here. Uh, come, take me by the hand. Say, preacher, I'd like to receive Jesus Christ. We'll put you with someone who will help you. And uh, take a Bible and share Christ with you. If you're a believer today, maybe you want to come and just pray. Maybe you need to come and you need to commit this season of the year to the Lord. I would invite you to the altars here, and uh, we would invite you to come. We're going to sing in closing a little Christmas song, 103, Away in a Manger. So would you stand with me? We'll sing 103. You come as we sing. The altar's over.